Alexa, what time is it? It's 6.27pm. And welcome to the Pompey Politics Podcast. I'm Ian Tiny Morris. And I'm Simon Sandsbury. So, here we are, Ian. Hopefully a return to like normal service on a Sunday. Yes, yeah, the old, what was it? We've had a couple of weeks off. Time has flown by. And um, yes, yeah, and we find ourselves... you just ourselves... blanked out of your memory last week where we had to abandon the show and redo it on Wednesday. Oh, God, yes, I forgot. I have actually <laughs> yes. embraced that. That was painful, the sun last Sunday. Never change platforms. No, you're right. We haven't had a couple of weeks off. In fact, we haven't even had half a week off. No, it's it's been it's been a, a long and taxing weekend. So uh, so if I am not quite at the top of my game today, then uh, then forgive me. It was uh, it was what we could describe as an eventful day yesterday. Uh, there was cricket, there was beer, and then there was summons at half past two in the morning to go and rescue my eldest son and his best mate which we duly did, but um, it has rather taken its toll on my um, on my fortitude. But how is life with you, sir? Um, it's, um, well, it's not been too bad. I mean, to be honest, um, despite working there since the beginning of March, uh, no, yeah, Mar- beginning of March, um, and m- supposedly being m- meant to have worked every weekend, every f- a weekend every five weeks, and this weekend has been the first weekend I've actually had to work with a combination of me moving teams or the schedules changing or me being on holiday so um and it's not gone too bad because to be fair they've gloriously let us go early each time well this is superb news oh, yeah. so can have a bit of that so, yeah absolutely so we're ready for today's show we are and as the dust settles on the uh on the local elections as we we did I wanted to say last year, but of course last year never happened. 2020 is just an illusion. But back in 2019, we we brought in the winners to have a chat to us about uh, about life as a newly elected councillor. And uh, today is no exception. No, in, indeed. So yeah, we've um, got Kirsty Meller joining us hopefully shortly. Um, and um, so we've got some questions to, to ask for her as to as to how the first month or so has gone. Um, but she's the first in three uh, new newly elected councillors that we, we've lined up um, over the coming weeks. So um, hopefully, yeah, there'll be some interesting things to know. And as always, if people have questions for our guest, if they pose them in the comments, Simon, whilst jumping from screen to screen hysterically, will pick them up and um, we're happy to throw them in. Yes, well... <laughs> Yeah, they'll they'll go through a vetting process first. Oh, yes, yes, yeah, no, absolutely. It's it's not it's not a free for all, as we know. Our yeah. style is not is not necessarily in in keeping with some of the tone of local politics. Where, um, yeah, why do you smell bad? Um, no, that's not a question we're going to pose to any of our guests, so, yeah, uh, no. irrespective of their political allegiances. No, we're we're, we're not going to do that. Um, and. Um, um, we, well, we've already got an excite, excitement building in the audiences, um, as David has said that it's um, that well, basically congratulates us on um, getting one of the most exciting new politicians, Kirsty Miller, on the podcast. Um, to be fair, it wasn't that difficult because um, she was happy to sign up to do the hustings before the election um, and was very happy to um, to to come back on. So, um, to be really honest. It's not the hardest of our gets, um, but we are pleased to to welcome her back. Um, so while we 
while we kind of make our way through the evening and we warm our questions up, should we quickly do a bit of On This Day? Yes, yeah, obviously there's, there's, a, there's a tap in here. There's an easy one for you, but I wonder where else you've gone. Okay, so the so the the tone kind of goes all over the place. So I'm gonna I'm gonna jump around rather than pause before it's for each one. So the first air flight out of sight of land um, between Scotland to Norway was in 1914 on this day. Um, in 1984, the video game Tetris was first released in the Soviet Union by Alexei Pajitnov. I've probably completely mucked up that pronunciation, so apologies. To be to be fair, I butchered all the stuff around Belarus last week, but I love Tetris. I really loved Tetris. I could see then, and it was oh, little shapes coming down, and God, oh, it was just it was fantastic. I think that's my favourite video game of all time ever. Okay, well, it takes all sorts, I guess. Um, Nineteen ninety-eight TV sitcom Sex and the City premieres in the US on HBO. Um, now I, I wonder. I can't even read that sentence without hearing the, which was the kind of the opening thing for HBO of the kind of the static screen and then the ding, ding, ding. I won't do the because I'll get it completely out of you but the but sight of the book, do, book and do, do you think in 2020 that sex in the city would exist or is it going to be looked at as the Benny Hill show of the late 90s um cool there's a question I think I think much like Friends, and this is where people start lobbing things at me. Much like Friends, it has aged badly. I mean, well, maybe badly is a badly is a cruel term, but it, they they both speak to their time, and that stands out when you look at them in context of now. But I guess that's true of everything, isn't it? That's, that's yeah, and I guess it's whether you look at it as a thing of its time or whether you look at it through the morality lens of today and go oh that's a bit uncomfortable Ooh, that's uncomfortable Ooh, I, don't well, like that. Um, I mean to be fair there's lots of um female empowerment in it so but in respect to some of the other stuff some of some of the other characterizations were were, were um were, were quite shallow but um and of their time but nonetheless the the last one by the way 2012 the solar impulse impulse completes the world's first intercontinental flight powered by the sun. So nearly 100 years after the first out-of-sight flight, so the flight from one piece of land to another piece of land, um, we have a we have an airplane that circumnavigates the globe. Oh, sorry, the first intercontinental, intercontinental flight powered by the sun. But of course, the biggest thing on this day, 77 years ago, um, D-Day begins as a 156,000-strong Allied expeditionary force um, lands in Normandy in one of the largest amphibious assaults in history, um, and sadly, over over 20,000 of, of of those of those brave men didn't didn't come home. No, it is a it is a very very sobering thought. And again, I'm lucky enough when I was a a young teenager to go and and see the uh, the Memorial Gardens at Normandy, and that stays with you. So, quite a thing. Doesn't does indeed. The Jersey Tunnels for me was a well came out of there in tears, man. Yeah, yeah. Honestly. Yep. Anyway, right. Moving on. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so we've got some questions um, lined up, and we've had one suggested by David as well. Um, so, um, <laughs> we just need our guest now, which is um. Oh, are we? Are we? Are we slightly son's guest? <laughs> yeah. Um. So. Let's just um, 
let's just check and make sure that Kirsty's okay, whether she's having some sort of technical difficulty or whether I've sent her the wrong link, which isn't entirely impossible. No, it was it was this day, it was the link that I used to join. Um, yeah, this can't go as badly wrong as last weekend. Yeah, that, to be fair, that's that's a that's a difficult bar. That's a bar so low that you'd have to trip over it. Yep. Um, to be fair, I may have over may um may have over egged how long we would be chatting at the beginning because I said be ready to join about twenty two. So either way, it's all my fault. Yeah, I think we'll um we we can we can always agree on that. Um, of course, mainly, mainly because you do everything, and I just rock up at the last twenty minutes. And go, what is it we're meant to be doing, Simon? And uh, yes, well, yeah. we we do bounce backwards and forwards, coming up with questions. Yeah, yeah, no, this is true. Yeah. This is true. So, um, Kirsty has now joined us. So, um, I shall I shall let her in. So, don't worry, we don't have to busk. Hi, hiya, Kirsty. Welcome to the utter shambles that is the Pompey Politics Podcast. <laughs> How are you doing? I'm fine. It's nice to have a break from the football in this house. So, welcome oh, I, session yeah. on the evening. Yes, there is. There's a, so to be honest, I'm not even sure Simon knows what a football is. So he's he's not going to be able to help you out there. I, 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 I understand it in principle, but I don't think I approve of it. So um, so <laughs> we're at least we're at least all in the same space together. Um, I do know what a football is. How out, that's outrageous. What a what a slur! I mean, I, I can't profess to actually really caring much about it at all. But um, is there some sort of match on? I think uh, yeah, it's it, friendlies, isn't it? England and somebody, and Scotland and somebody else. I think Scotland are winning, and that's all I care about. So I should uh, probably should and England as well, of course. <laughs> what, I didn't realise you were inadvertently. I suppose I should have got it really, shouldn't I, from the name? But you don't like to judge. I didn't realise you were inadvertently Scottish. Good lord. Doing good, Lord. It's <laughs> a good thing. <laughs> Ian, we've talked about this. Yeah, no, no, I've been warned. I know. Okay, right. Okay. Don't don't upset more sensible parts of the United Kingdom. So. <laughs> so, um, thank you very much for agreeing to come back on. Um, and um, even if we are dragging you away from the football. Um, so, uh, without further ado. Should we um should we start running with the questions? Yeah, let's go for it. Ian, did you say you were taking odd or I was taking no, odd? I no, was... you you're always odd. <laughs> yeah, I've had that said before. Okay, so um, so Kirsty, what was the biggest surprise from the campaign? Okay, so I think for the past few years, Charles Dickens is is being held by Labour with each newly elected councillor increasing the percentage of votes. However, during my campaign, I felt there was no room uh, for complacency and campaigning was very, very different this year because of COVID. And if I'm honest, that sowed doubt in my mind, you know, was I reaching and engaging with enough people? Am I making impact? And, and so on. So I made it my goal to do everything I possibly could to win again for Labour in Charles Dickens. I think it's normal to think 
you know, what if I don't win? And I often did have days of doubt um, and thought about how I would manage a loss after investing so much time and energy into the ward and the campaign. So I think, of course, my win was a big surprise. Um, and I was quite overwhelmed in knowing that those who came out to vote for Labour and Charles Dickens put their faith in me. I actually spent two days um, sending thank yous and replies to residents and followers on social media. So the support has been so uplifting and really encouraging. And, and I think a lot of people kind of don't realise just how invest, you know, a lot of people sit on the sidelines and sort of, you know, pass judgment on local politics and local politicians. But I, I don't think people realise just how much a very small group of people are emotionally invested into the process. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there, there were days when I was absolutely exhausted um, and I thought, I just can't go on anymore. But you just kind of get that second wind and you keep going. Um, and then hopefully now once all the training and everything's finished, we'll be able to relax a little bit more. So so ultimately then, apart from the fact that you seem like a genuinely splendid individual, why did you win? Well, I think um, the fact that I've got quite a solid track record of campaigning on really important issues um, and over quite a few years now, um, and the fact that I made sure that I was visible in the ward and not just at election time, and also as well, living in the ward, I know we said it's not necessarily in, in the previous podcast, but I think it does help. Um, and it helps by knowing the people that live in the ward and the community uh, around you and, and the community um, groups and community leaders. So I think that did go in my favour. Um, and I think because I'm quite passionate about supporting others, um, I think sharing my life experiences as well played a big part in winning for, for Charles Dickens. I guess with them, um, you, I mean, you touched on it being lots and lots of hard work, but you bring a lot of yourself to standing as a candidate anyway. Um, mm. So, you know, there's a, there, there's a, there's a lot there, isn't there of, um, of what, what kind of turns it out on the day but um but good to hear that you weren't you know that you weren't complacent um i mean it's not like you were a, a tory standing in drayton and farlington where they weigh the votes but, oh, uh, you know um but <laughs> oh, so blown. what well come on you're the one that champions on about them getting 63 percent of the vote up there for crying out loud um, 66 <laughs> yeah okay enough said um so What's your, what would you say is your biggest surprise since becoming a councillor? Okay, um, so not that I'm competitive at all, but the biggest surprise for me was beating Councillor Corkery in the vote share. Um, I don't want to rub salt in his wounds again, but I'm going to anyway. So when he ran, he got 100 and, no, 1,023 votes and I got 1,183, so just saying. Um, but Prior to being elected, I was able to manage some casework, but once elected, it was a big surprise to instantly experience such an extensive caseload. Um, my councillor inbox has been chock-a-block with requests for help, and the majority of my time so far has been spent supporting residents in the ward. Um, as a new councillor, it's been a bit of a whirlwind, particularly when trying to get my head around, you know, who does what within the structures of Portsmouth City Council. Um, having said that, I have had plenty of support from the Labour Group um, and I have attended some excellent training sessions. 
Um, and I've found the council officers to be really welcoming and kind. I'm not going to know everything right away, and I think it would be foolish to pretend that I do. So for now, I'm watching, I'm shadowing, and I'm learning from our other brilliant Labour group whilst continuing to help residents, which ultimately is my favourite part of being a councillor. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Um, Ian, would you mind if I just slot in, because the, the question that David yeah, asked yeah. in the comments actually kind of really follows on, oh, really fits it. to follow on for that. Um, so... Um, David, David from the comments has asked. Um, so sorry for dropping this one off in you <laughs> without without warning. Um, he asked what your plans are um, in helping struggling families in the board. So I mean, we've already been supporting families that are, that are living in poverty, and as as you know, as I know, Charles Dickens is the most socially deprived ward in in Portsmouth. Um, I think it's about giving families the the tools and empowerment to to seek help, to find help. Um, and certainly we'll be supporting um, community organisations in the group that, that do um, kind of fill the gaps and provision that we have in our city. So I think that's one of the ways that we will be supporting family. If I had a magic wand, I'd, I'd make sure that everybody had enough money to live and eat and have a good health service and, and you know a good life. But unfortunately I haven't got that magic wand. So it's about giving that support to people as and when they need it and making sure that it's accessible for everybody. So if, for people that didn't, you know, don't necessarily understand the dynamics of Charles Dickens, is there quite a strong community network of organisations? There is. We've got some fantastic community organisations in Charles Dickens Ward. Um, real sort, sort of the earth people that, that um, lead them, um, you know, particularly as well during COVID, the community really came together to support um, people in our community. So if if we if we, if we put on your your your, your full labour hat now, so if we look at the campaign as a whole, obviously you know you you've you've retained Charles Dickens with an increased majority, and I thought you were, you were kind to Cal. I thought you could have been you could have been a bit harsher on Stephen Morgan, who you know who you were replacing. I think he won by thirty two votes, and you won by several hundred, which I think makes obviously makes you significantly better than him. But if we look at the Labour campaign as a whole. Effectively, Labour gained, you know, they, they gained the very significant seat of Central South Sea, but fell just short in Fratton. And you could argue that the Eastian Cranes water, um, whilst you fielded a very strong candidate, that allowed the Conservatives to sneak through. So how would you summarise Labour's 2021 local election campaign in the round? So I think we've got quite a solid base to build on for next year. And we're aiming to retain seats and win new ones next year. So we, as you said, we came incredibly close in a few wards and we increased the vote share in other wards, which is bittersweet. However, it does set a solid foundation to elect more Labour councillors for 2022. Super. So, in, and again, you might not be able to tell us this. So on the virtual whiteboard at Labour headquarters, I'm sure there must be one somewhere, you know, we're, we're was getting frat, frat, or at least a second or third seat, would, would that have been the measure of the success? Or would you say you're, you're happy with the one that you got purely because of the high profile nature of it? Well, I mean, it's always better to get more Labour councillors, <laughs> you know. Well, I can't, I can't necessarily agree with that, but I can see that from a Labour Party perspective. 
what's your, so Ekin, what's your impression so far of the of the councillors on the council from outside of the Labour Party? And by impression, I don't mean actually mimic them, as in do an impression of them. No, please don't ask me to do that. <laughs> no, don't worry, we won't. We're not that kind of. We're not that kind of show. Um, but yeah, what's what what's your what's been your impression of of the of your non Labour Party colleagues? I mean, to be honest, I've not had many dealings with other councillors just yet, but I'm sure my time will come. Um, I'm sure the majority of them are really lovely people and have terrific personalities. And I did enjoy hearing about the the new councillors and their backgrounds and personal stories, um, you know, at the AGM. In some instances, I've seen how there is scope for cross-party working for the benefit of residents in our city. We might have different views, but we all do care deeply about our city and its future. Um, Although I'm not sure I could go for a pint with some of the councillors. Um, ultimately, this isn't about personality anyway, it's about party policy and my role centres around community leadership and engagement with the responsibility of re- representing my ward and those who live in it. So I need to reflect that in the council chamber, especially when making decisions. Um, and any decisions we as a Labour group make should always reflect the residents' wishes. And it's really important to note that when developing um, and reviewing council policy and scrutinising decisions made by other councillors, again, it's not about attacking personality, it's about attacking policy. So this one I'd, I'd, I'd like us just to work through. And again, I, I'm going to be a little bit... So this, this one's probably the most controversial question we've got on the list. So if we, we reviewed the, the, the results, and obviously, you know, Labour are still the third group in the chamber by some margin so uh, you know except you know foundations to build on but effectively you know the the lib dems and the and the conservative party are sort of between five and seven seats short whereas you know the, the labor group you know to be realistic even if you won all 14 wards next time round you'd still fall a little bit short of a majority mm-hmm. so it seems that your role is to effectively choose who runs the the city uh, in terms of you know the lib dems and the conservatives did how, how do you view that and and do you think that there is any chance that that's going to change I think it's hard to to second guess what what the voters are going to do in future elections um although I do have everything crossed for a brighter future with four Pompey residents um, under a Labour administration. And on that basis, we're going to continue to work hard to represent our constituents, sharing our party's values and principles and, and push for progressive policies. We put together an excellent um, t- 2021 local election manifesto highlighting our priorities and hopes for the city. So we're going to continue to share that vision with voters. And by doing that, hopefully we can swing the election in our favour in the future. But realistically, what what so so and this is where I, and I'm going to be a little press you a little bit, Kirsty. Is is ultimately you, you have to hand the keys to the kingdom to someone, and yeah. it it seems very clear that there is no chance of you ever doing that. I'm going to use the again because historically there was a little bit of Labour Conservative working back many years ago, but it seems very clear at the moment that. Effectively, every, every, whatever the election outcome, the Lib Dems aren't going to get an overall majority. The Conservatives are probably going to fall just short. And you're going to, 
you know, because the way of the PCC works, effectively, the vast majority of decision making is done in committee. And mm. the Lib Dems will be making all of those decisions. So what, what real influence do you do you think the Labour group has? Well, I think any decision that the Lib Dems make, it's our responsibility as opposition spokesperson on particular portfolios to hold those decisions to account. Um, and if we're not happy with them, of course, we're going to call them out. The reality is, are we going to be in administration next year? I doubt it. But I, I'm a firm believer in never say never. So we're going to just keep going in the city until we do get a Labour administration. And you might not be very positive about that, Ian, but I certainly am. Well, so next time round, that, that's I mean, that's not about party politics. Politics It's numerically impossible. You know, if you win every ward, um, you know, if you turn Drayton and Farlington red, you'll be at 18 councillors, which isn't enough for an overall majority. And maybe the Lib Dems would return the favour and vote you in rather than the Conservatives. Yeah. But yeah. um, but it, it, it's, it's really for me what I'm trying to get to the heart of is that effectively the the way the city looks at the moment and and look we are unique in that we're a, we're a three color party system aren't we we've got the conservatives mp in the north a labor mp in the south and a conservative a, a lib dem administration looking after the city council i guess the challenge is that you know ultimately because if i look at the campaign you just just ran it was clear that the seats that you were targeting the three seats that that labor really targeted were all lib dem seats and you won one you came very close to winning two and you mm -hmm. changed the dynamic in the third and having fought really hard against the lib dems i guess what i struggle with is that you know when the dust settles it's almost like everybody shakes hands and you hand them back the keys to the you know to run the administration and I can't see a way where that's going to change. And I guess it's it's really for me to understand, or, you know, for our listeners to try and understand from a Labour perspective, you know, what is it that you are hoping for? Because, and again, this isn't me being unkind. Numerically, you won't win next year. You can't win. You might, over five years, you might turn the tide. But yeah. it's that element of, do, does it mean that for the residents of Portsmouth, they, they've got to accept that, they're going to there's going to be a Lib Dem administration running the you know running the the city um, for as long as Labour are only prepared to work with the Lib Dems well I mean look Ian we didn't want to prop up the Tories and put them back into administration yes we put the Lib Dems back into administration but we we're quite clear with them about our our demands of putting them back in again so we're hoping to work with them um, and implement some of our manifesto pledges um, throughout their year in administration anything's better than the Tories sorry mate I know you're a Tory but that's the way it is like the Lib Dems have been brilliant in the city they've been what an administration for over 16 years now and lots of residents complain um, you know about the state of the city However, with seven of us on uh, on the Labour group now, we can certainly push to make change. So in, and again, you might not let us into the insert, insights of the inner working. So in those discussions with the, you know, were there discussions with the Lib Dems or it, it looked to me like Labour showed their hand very early and, and I think you, you quoted it perfectly, anybody would be better than the Tories. So it, it almost, and I guess that's why I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, pushing a little bit because 
if I was a Lib Dem now, God forbid, I'd have a big old grin on my face because it'd be a case of, I actually don't have to concede anything to the Labour Party because I know they're always going to back me over the Tories. Well, no, actually, I think they do have to concede to us because we're going to be holding them to account. We're not just going to, you know, sit back and let them get on with it. The seven of us are going to, you know, push for radical change for our, our policies that we put forward. Um, and we will be holding them to account. We will be calling them out if we don't agree with any decisions that they make. We did have conversations. Yeah, I mean, of course, everybody's had conversations. Oh, yeah. think, like with George as well, but, you know... I'm not willing to give away our secrets, Ian. I know. No, I, 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 <laughs> there's no, there's no harm in me asking, and there's absolutely no harm in you refusing. It, it, it is that piece where, as I say, I've just pondered on the dynamic of the the council chamber as a whole, because for me, anything that comes back to full council, that the Lib Dems propose that that you want to overturn, then realistically, the only people, you know it's then going to be the enemy of me, our enemy is my friend, because only by working with a conservative group could you actually effectively block anything the Lib Dems bring back to full council. Well, I mean, we've, we've got, we've got how many independents now? Three, isn't it? George, Claire and, and Jeanette. You've got, we've um, got, we, we've got four. So, you know, there's effectively, so Claire and Jeanette in the People's Progressive Party, um, but one former Labour, one former Lib Dem. Um, you've got, one former conservative and you've got one what i would call truly independent although george makes no secret of the fact that historically he, he stood under the ukip banner mm-hmm. so and that's that's my point you know there are there are 15 lib dems even if all of the independents opt to work with the labor party and i think you might struggle um to get linda to to come across um if i'm being really honest you know effectively it gives you 10 out of 42 so there is an element of you know if we if there is the desire to hold the lib dems to account then that's going to have to be done with some joint working with the conservatives potentially yeah i mean i can't i can't answer that now this we're looking into the future yeah. i don't know what's around the corner um so I think it would be foolish for me to to even answer that. But certainly, as I said before, if we do not agree with something, then we will be holding people to account. Excellent. Hopefully we'll be working together more closely. We'll see about that. Absolutely. Come on then, Lib Dem, come on back. Um, Well, I I guess Ian was bound to ask that. And to be honest, your response was bound to be that, um, Kirsty. So... um... Um, I think maybe he's just smarting that having done the numbers, he's realised that the Conservatives are kind of a bit screwed for trying to get back control of the council for a, for a while. Um, and that's what he's upset well, about. I, I might have done a... Uh, I've, uh, I've got a plan. Really? I just... Yeah, well, I've got a plan. I, whether that's the plan of the Portsmouth Conservatives, I, I'm, I'm not too sure. But, um, yeah, yeah, just need a does gentle it, nip and tuck here and a little bit of... Does it involve producing work? leaflets about road schemes that aren't happening? No, no, that's that's that that doesn't land very well at all. I'm not sure your leaflets are the future, you know, okay. with our green agenda. Okay, right. Okay, there's a there was a whole <laughs> a whole raft of um of political campaigners across the city that breathed a sigh in shock. Then um, that leaflets aren't aren't the future, but nonetheless, okay. So let's um let's move on. So 
we've had another question in in the comments mm -hmm. um which was from um george so do you want me to um put that one to kirsty in so that um so that you can then you can take take up yeah i can question? take up the scripted one um so this question from george and i think we t we touched on it in the um so um so hopefully so the turnout um this time round was about 19.5 percent um yeah. um the year before 21.5 so we we've spoke we've spoken previously and we and we did touch on it in the in the hustings about charles dickens being one of the wards where where voter turnout is um is is quite challenged um so george's question is what would you do to mobilize higher higher voter turnouts specifically for the charles dickens ward yeah, I mean, it, it, it is disappointing that it, the turnout is so low because the local elections are so important. Um, I think, obviously, in my last podcast, we said, you know, it's about giving people something to go out and vote for, which I kind of put my heart and soul in into the campaign. And I was hoping that, that would kind of, you know, bring bring people out. In terms of going forward, I think between now and, and the next local elections, we need to like really stipulate how important it is to go out and vote in local elections, um, you know, and why it matters. Um, and also, yeah, just again, it's about building relationships in, in the ward um, going forward. Does that make sense? Probably not. A bit of a jumbled answer. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I think it does. Kirsty, and it's something that we've we've kind of we've mused on for some time, and it's that element of it, it's interesting how many people say, "Oh, I'm not interested in politics. I don't like politicians. I'm, you know, I'm. They're all the bloody same. I'm not." But there's an element of well, pretty much everything that affects you know your everyday life is a political decision. You know, yeah. there is an element of. You know, whether you've got a green or brown wheelie bin or, you know, how often your bins get collected, which are the things, you know, and parking zones and everything else. And, the, and those little bits of trivia that really kind of tend to cause lots of uh, lots of Facebook posts, um, they're often politically, you know, it's that kind of it's a political decision. Well, and somebody, is isn't it? Really, if you think about it. Yeah, and it's that piece where I, I and again, it's it's that it, it's it's kind of, I guess, for those of us that are interested, we, we're all, I, I, you know, again, I don't want to speak for all of us, but I'm always surprised that people can't that don't join the dots, that you know, that the, the choices you make at the ballot box has a bearing on, you know, how the city is run and 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 you know, even down to the. The, the money in your bank account at the end of the month i mean maybe i should get a van like george madrick's that was pretty cool maybe that's what made his turnout much better than the, the one in charles dickens it was like trotter's independent traders van going around paul's grove um but yeah i mean i just i think yeah it, it's really really important to to stress why people should go out and vote in local elections and i'm hoping that we can increase the turnout in the future the Paul's Grove, I mean, Paul's Grove is a fascinating study, isn't it? In terms yeah. of if I look at Paul's Grove and quite a lot of similarities between Paul's Grove and Charles Dickens, you know, from it. But I guess you haven't got the Port Solent um, wealthy bit bolted onto the side of Charles Dickens. Mm -hmm. But it, there is that element of, you know, and again, we, we don't know exactly. But, you know, George's success was really around 
it fundamentally it was getting the the people that didn't vote or couldn't find a reason to vote every year to to come out and vote for him and it was a very strong personal brand you know do you think that there's an element of perhaps some of the tiredness to do with political parties you know does have a bearing and maybe that you know you touched on it not being about personality but mm-hmm. maybe in local politics does the personality have a bearing um well yeah i guess in a way but i think i think the reason why george did so well in paul's grove is because he was a breath of fresh air he had no connections to political parties and as you said people are fed up with some political parties and i think that's what did it did it for george um but obviously i'm labor through and through and i will always um you know promote our our vision for the city um yeah so it's going to be you'll carry on some so next next year it's um is it um is it claire rudy's seat that's up next year so claire's seat is up next year in charles dickens yeah. and Jeanette's in Baffins. So, kind of speaking back to your previous question, Ian, not wishing to give answers for Kirsty, but that's a potential, isn't it, of surely of numerically some um, any political party being able to bolster their numbers by two at the expense of two of the independents on the on the council. Yeah, I mean, so. I don't believe we, uh, and again, uh, you have to go back to the 1970s to find somebody who was elected as an independent. And the vast majority of independents that we have seen within the history of Portsmouth City Council get elected under a badge um, and then they either cross the floor to the, um, you know, to the other side um, of the, the chamber or they go independent, and to be honest, usually at the next um, election uh, or the next when they're up for re-election, they they are they sink without a trace. And again, it, there's a history of it in Charles Dickens. So Paul Gautier was elected under the UKIP banner, went independent, seemed to have a reasonable, and again, it's only me following on social media, seemed to have a reasonable record as a uh, you know, as doing some good stuff with the homeless and actually putting some effort in to Charles Dickens. And then he stood against Claire um, UD four years ago, or three years ago now. Um, and at the time she was standing under the Labour banner and he sank without trace. You know, it wasn't it wasn't close. It was a case of, you know, he, he I think he polled only a couple of hundred votes. So we do have a long history in the city of... Um, of not necessarily backing independence, and it will be fascinating next year to see whether, you know, whether George, you know, George is safe now for another two years because I think this is only a three-year term. Mm-hmm. But it's whether he he mobilises or or you know there are independents that then follow his model. So does that mean in that? You're going to be unhappy that that means that the Conservatives can't win. No, no, no. I, 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 I absolutely. If you look at the model, sometimes a, a very strong Labour candidate can be helpful to our cause, as you know. 
as Matt Winnington is sadly aware, um, you know, because very, very strong showing in Eastney and Craneswater from Craig, um, you know, and uh, and we snuck through on the rails. So it's uh, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think there's an element of, you know, to, to, to Kirsty's point, you know, if if Labour think they've got a good, strong message to sell, then why not get out on the doorstep and sell it? And that's exactly what we plan to do, Ian. Can you still hear me as I've just had a little warm? You were kind of wobbling in and out. Are you still there, Ian? I am still here. Okay. So in which case, Kirsty, mm -hmm. now you're heading into month two and beyond. What are, what are your immediate priorities and, and what are the things that you're looking for a little bit longer term? Okay. So um, actually, Cal, myself and George Harris have, have already met and discussed plans for the future of Charles Dickens. And by the end of the meeting, we ended up with quite an extensive to-do list but what I want to stress here, this is not about what we as councillors want to do in the ward. It's about listening to our residents and understanding their hopes and visions and finding ways to um, successfully bring about change together with the residents. So we have built um, strong links in Port C and Landport. However, we want to start making links with residents and community groups in, in Buckland and continuing to support the, the other groups that we're already supporting as well. Um, we have some work to do around antisocial behaviour um, and we want to work with community provisions and youth services um, to combat antisocial behaviour before and during the school holidays. And we're hoping to organise a meeting by bringing provisions together to discuss the issues that will likely arise and the preventative measures that, that we can take um, and then with a view to organising a public meeting for residents in different locations in the ward to attend. Um, obviously, we're going to continue to support the residents um, in the courts area of Landport. Both Cal and I have been uh, working closely with residents throughout the consultation of the courts area. We want to set up regular ward surgeries, regular canvassing sessions and do regular walkabouts in the ward. Um, again, as well, we're going to continue to support grassroots community sorry, grassroots community groups to um, help them apply to access to SIL funding. Current projects that we've been supporting include um, the Cornwallis Gardens. And if you haven't been, you absolutely should. It's, it's such a beautiful spot in the ward. Um, but again, what we want to do is reach out to other community groups to see if, if they're aware of the SIL funding and ask them how they would like to spend it. Um, we're going to continue to work on greening initiatives um, and continue to support the refurbishment of Victoria Park. And one thing that we want to do as well is to comp compose a regular uh, newsletter that goes out in the summer, autumn, winter and spring so that residents are aware of you know, what we've been up to. And obviously we, we will continue to use our social media channels as well to update residents. Um, in terms of ward campaigns, one thing that we're going to initially work on is the closure of the John Pound surgery um, in Port C. Um, that's going to have a huge impact on the community. And we've seen, obviously, the closure of the Guildhall Walk Healthcare Centre as well. Um, so, you know, people in our ward need a place to go to see doctors. They need to be able to access healthcare on their doorstep as well. 
Um, in, terms so... dig, in terms of digging into that, Kirsty, because I, I, I watched this from, from afar, have you got to the bottom of why it's closing? Because it seems to make no logical sense. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense at all. And no, we haven't got to the bottom of why it's closing yet, um, but I'm sure we will get to the bottom of why it's closing and we will certainly be taking into consideration the views of the residents as well and feeding that back to whoever's made the decision. And in terms of Charles Dickens as a whole, and I, you know, and again, this one's a, a little bit sort of off the cuff, but what what do you see as the as the real future for Commercial Road? I know there's money been set aside to to regenerate it, but but you know, it's at it's at the heart of your ward, isn't it? And I think it would, you know, I, I've my views on Commercial Road, I've expressed them in fairly graphic terms. But I, would, I think it would be fair to say we could all agree that it's it's not it's not having its finest hour at the moment. No, it's in a real sorry state, isn't it? I mean, when I was younger, I remember um, when we moved to Portsmouth, like going to town was a was a day out, and we would get dressed up and make a day of it and go to all the shops. But there's nothing there anymore. Um, it really needs some solid investment in into the area um, and then that way that will sort of boost the economy as well bring jobs into the city um, but yeah I mean it's just awful down there at the moment there's nothing there's no shops I mean obviously I like shopping I like new clothes but you just can't find anything and I think it's really frustrating for people as well not to be able to go to sort of one place and get you know everything they need in one place so we, we do need to look at investing in the redevelopment of, of commercial road definitely yeah i i i wonder whether you know it, it, it's on life support isn't it really and I, I i just wonder whether there is you know whether there is something there, there's something new or different that could be done I mean, there was there was talk at one point and it, it was whispers i don't even know whether there was any basis in fact about looking you know trying to create something like a box park like they have in croydon you know putting in a green space with much smaller units so that, you know, potential, you know, th those people who are, are, are running little businesses as a side hustle or as a hobby business, you know, or uh, to give that more creative space and to bring more vibrancy to, to the high street, because it just feels to me like, you know, th there's never going to be another Debenhams. Mm. I mean, I think what we've got now left in there is, is like big chain stores and, you mentioned about small businesses. I think it would be really good to invest in small businesses in the city centre as well and, and bring that vibrancy and the, and the newness to Commercial Road. And we've got to touch, I guess, because it's something that keeps coming up. How do you feel about the proposals for more student accommodation to be built in the heart of Charles Dickens? As I said before, student accommodation does have its place and it does um, benefit us economically in the city. However, we do need to invest in more council homes in our city. People are crying out for homes. Um, and yeah, that is something that I think we should be fighting for, definitely. Charles Dickens is, is about 20% of the dwellings in the in the ward are... Um, a student accommodation is it is is it something like that and it's so it's it's quite a high level and that must you know that must i mean it's all, it's all very well building student accommodation to bring students into the city but 
when they're here, there's nothing for them to do in terms of the, the, the city centre. It's, it's pointless. Effectively, the, you know, the three, the three sort of hot, you know, nightlife is centred around Guild or Walk, Gunwharf and, um, and the centre of South Sea. Hmm. Well, it's also not been a been a normal year by any stretch of the imagination, has it? So it's um. So that's not really helped um helped with shops at all. No, we definitely needs something. So, um, we've kind of raced raced through those um through those questions anymore. You can breathe a sigh of relief that we've got we haven't got any more, and there aren't any more firing at us from the comments. So um, so apologies for for um for surprising you with that with those ones. Um, okay. but uh, but thank you so much for um um for being uh, being willing to um to come back on tell us how your first month has gone um and um well is there anything else you'd like to share with the listeners oh no i don't think so not at the moment um but i'll be happy to come back on again and thank you guys for you know for doing this because as i said before you, you keep it relevant you keep it local um and it's really important that you know people get to share their views and their experiences so thanks very much for having me that is absolutely our pleasure and again you know if there are other members of the red team that would that uh, that want to come on and share we we would we would love to hear from them because whilst we might gently pull your leg as it's our it's our role to do particularly simon he's he's a hard work we do want to make sure that you know everybody's voice is heard in Portsmouth and then people can make up their own minds so thank you for uh missing the football and giving us another evening oh it's an absolute pleasure we've heard no screaming in the background so does that that mean there's been no school um well they've they've all left I sent them out the room so (laughs) yeah I don't know what's going on with the football now brilliant Kirsty thanks ever so much no problem take care thank you So it's fascinating, isn't it, Simon, that, you know, again, we, we look at the podcast and, and, you know, we come at it from a partisan position. But how often when we get people on, you know, whose politics are very different to ours, that, that there is more that unites us, as always. Yeah, and I think... I th- you know to speak to the to, to speak to the question that you you know you're talking about regarding the mathematics of of the seats on the council um i think i think all political parties have perhaps learned to be wary of the of the c word and i don't mean conservatism i mean coalition yes yep so um so actually it's you know the the danger the dangers um to um, to parties of actually forming coalitions where they don't have a huge amount of actually say but get tarred with the brush of the, all the things that go wrong um, doesn't really work out well in the long run. And if actually your purpose of being, as as any political party, has its purpose of effect, you know, having the ability to affect more change and the way that they do that is by winning more more votes and more seats, um, you know, that's... They're going to, you know, if, if the decision is that you'd harm your long-term prospects by getting into bed uh, as much with with another party and actually it's better to give su- you know even if it's not a formal arrangement but give you know tacit support on a case-by-case basis that uh, speaks to policy then that's the case 
Yeah, and it's a funny one, isn't it? Because you know there is there is uh, there's talk on many social media platforms when we, you know, when we're discussing politics about the first past the post system, and we've touched on it before, in terms of you know what would the council potentially look like if we did go down some kind of PR route. And I know that's always difficult because you know you might have people who have aspirations to vote green who wouldn't you know would have no truck with doing that. Um, in the current system because they know that the, the Greens aren't going to win a seat. So I think there is that piece in play. But it's interesting how, you know, proportional representation, whichever way you cut it, will mean that the only way that a, a team will get to govern is is cross-party working. But it is that fascinating piece that, you know, as you said, and I don't want to trigger you, that the, the the only time that, that that's happened in recent years is is with the Lib Dems working with the Conservatives and the electorate um the electorate did not, you know, and I've been very vocal, did not respect the work that the Lib Dems had done to get a number of their progressive policies into manifesto. You know, they seem to lose their mind about tuition fees, which something like 80% of people will never pay back. And if they do pay back, they'll have average earnings of about 60K a year over 30 years, which suggests to me they could pay back their student loan. But uh, yeah, that's the one that people seem to get all hysterical about and, um, and vengeful, if I'm being really honest. So um, it, is yeah. this, it is this strange old thing about we want cross-party working, but if anybody tries it, we're going to beat them to death. Um. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I mean, I think for probably several reasons, um, the Lib Dems fared poorly in the 2015 general election. Um, not least because it seems that you know the Conservatives were very easily able to make a. You voted for them last time and got us. You might as well vote for us, which is you know a warning to anybody that goes in. You know, to anybody that con- considers going into any form of coalition. Um, I think we had some successes, but we also didn't do enough of a good job in actually shouting out the things that we watered down or the things that we were against or the things that we didn't agree with. And I think, you know, um, but let's also remember the Conservative Party in 2010 is a very different Conservative Party than the one that we have now. Um, And um, I don't think there's a I don't think it would happen now in a million years. Not just oh, because think, of what I, happened since, but just because of actually the the difference in the the difference in the party. Yeah, yeah, and I, but I, I think there's also been a there's but also been a hardening and a polarisation within politics. Um, yeah, I and I think we, we we can look we, well, we can look at that through many different angles, can't we? But it is that element of, you know, again, and I I I, I did have a little you know play there with the 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 you know for for Portsmouth Labour what what is in it for them to to keep fighting for seats and then when the results come go there you are Lib Dems off you go again enjoy another year we'll see you back at the hustings in 12 months time um but yeah there's an element of of um yeah you know maybe you've written your own slogan for for you know you voted for them last time. You got us. You may as well vote for us this time. Oh yeah, that'd be great. There, we, there you, go. You, still you can have that for next year for we, free. We still George Osborne, Osborne's idea from 2015. Um, no, but I mean to be fair though, what's what's the alternative for them? The alternative of them is either to to throw that support behind the Conservative Party, which they've ever very clearly said that they wouldn't do, um, or to not campaign. So 
Yeah, you know, you know no, th- those I... two those two things aren't going to happen, are they? They're they're a party in their own right. Um, there yep. are people that, you know, they're obviously um, members of that party and people that support that party because of the things that that party stands for. Um, as as much as there are members and campaigners and supporters of other parties because of the things that they they mean it mean and stand for. Um, so you know, at the end of the day, I just find it it's interesting that. Even under first past the post, this, the electoral maths in Portsmouth are effectively creating a situation where, although you've you've identified that perhaps there won't, unless there's some sort of massive earthquake politically, there won't be a um, a change um, in the administration. But it is forcing parties to work together, and actually, that's what normally happens. They do tend to actually agree on policy policy case by case basis. So that that's that that's the pure practicality of local government that's actually what happens it's all of the shouty stuff on social media and in the press isn't isn't the reality of actually what these quite sensible and dedicated and committed people actually do when they're when they're being elected to serve their their local people yeah yeah and uh, i guess the piece for, for me is working out how much of that does go on behind the scenes because you know uh, ultimately and we've looked at you know again we've we've whilst it takes 10 hours we, we've not I would say the pair of us haven't been the biggest fans of the full cabinet process because it tends to bring it doesn't really seem to bring any true decision making stuff to the table but the council keep the wheels keep turning and um, you know the council effectively keeps running so yes we shall see in time how it all unfurls but um, no and and you know love Kirsty's honesty comes across very genuine and you know whilst I would have loved a different outcome I know that the residents of Charles Dickens have got a councillor who's going to work hard for them indeed and I think and I think that that I think that shone that shines through um in how she puts across her case and how she how she refers to the things that um her and Cal are working on aren't the things that they want to work on they're the things actually that the local residents want to work on and isn't that what you want from your councillor I'll ask for more than that, can you? No. So. You've been listening to the Pompey Politics Podcast. He's been Ian Tiny Morris. And he's been Simon Sansbury. Join us next week at 6.27 where we are joined by newly elected Kimberly Barrett. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. If you want to make sure you get notifications about upcoming shows and get to know when we're live, we normally broadcast live 6.27pm on a Sunday evening, then follow us on Facebook at Pompey Politics Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Pompey Politics One. Please, if you'd like to, feel free to leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and you can even ask Alexa to play the podcast for you. Alexa, play the latest episode of the Pompey Politics Podcast. Getting Pompey Politics podcast, blue and yellow till we die from Amazon Music. Alexa, the latest episode. Stop. See? It's easy. <laughs>